0: Chapter three of A Chinese Wonder Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Vivian Liu. A Chinese Wonder Book by Norman Hingstell Pitman. Chapter three, The Strange Tale of Dr. Dog. Far up in the mountains of the province of Hunan in the central part of China, there once lived a small village a rich gentleman who had only one child this girl like the daughter of Quan Yu in the story of the Great Bell was the very joy of her father's life now Mr Ming for that was this gentleman's name, was famous throughout the whole district for his learning. And as he was also the owner of much property, he spared no effort to teach Hanisako the wisdom of the sages, and to give her everything she craved. Of course, this was enough to spoil most children, But Honeysuckle was not at all like other children. As sweet as the flower from which she took her name, she listened to her father's slightest command and obeyed without ever waiting to be told a second time. Her father often bought kites for her, of every kind and shape. There were fish, birds, butterflies, lizards, and huge dragons, one of which had a tail more than 30 feet long. Mr. Ming was very skillful in flying these kites for a little honeysuckle. And so naturally did his birds and butterflies circle around and hover about in the air, that almost any little western boy would have been deceived and said, why, there is a real bird and not a kite at all. Then again, he would fasten a queer little instrument to the string, which made a kind of humming noise as he whipped his hand from side to side. It is the wind saying daddy, cried honeysuckle, clapping her hands with joy, saying a cat song to both of us, sometimes to teach his little darling a lesson if she had been the least naughty. Mr. May would fasten queerly Twisted scraps of paper on which were written many Chinese words to the string of her favorite kite. What are you doing, Daddy? Hanisako would ask. What can those queer-looking papers be? On every piece is written a thing that we have done. What is a thing, Daddy? Oh, when Hanisako has been naughty, this is a thing, he answered gently. Your own nurse is afraid to scold you, and if you are to grow up to be a good woman, daddy must teach you what is right. Then Mister Ming would send the kite up high, high over the housetops, even higher than the tall pagoda on the hillside. When all the cord was let out, he would pick up two sharp stones, and handing them to Honeysuckle would say, "Now, daughter." Cut the string, and the wind will carry away the things that are written down on the scraps of paper. But daddy, the kite is so pretty. May we keep our things a little longer? She would innocently ask. No, child, it is dangerous to hold on to one's sins. Virtue is the foundation of happiness. He would reply sternly, choking back his daughter at her question make haste and cut the cord, so honeysuckle always obedient, at least with her father, would saw the string in two between the sharp stones, and with a childish cry of despair, would catch her favorite kite, blown by the wind, sail farther and farther away, until at last, straining her eyes, she would say sink slowly to the earth, in some far distant meadow. Now, laugh and be happy, Mr. Ming would say, for your sins are all gone, see so that you don't get a new supply of them. Saku was also fond of saying the punch and judy shoe, for you must know, this old-fashioned amusement for children was enjoyed by little folks in China, perhaps 3,000 years before your great-grandfather was born. It is even said that the great emperor Mu, when he saw these little dancing images for the first time, was greatly enraged at seeing one of them making eyes at his favorite wife. He ordered the showman to be put to death, and it was with difficulty the poor fellow persuaded his majesty that the dancing puppets were not really alive at all, but only images of cloth and clay. No wonder then, Honeysuckle liked to see Punch and Judy if the Son of Heaven himself had been deceived by their queer antics into thinking them real people of flesh and blood. But we must hurry on with our story, or some of our readers will be asking, but where is Dr. Dog? Are you never coming to the hero of the tale? One day when Honeysuckle was sitting inside a shady pavilion that overlooked a tiny fish pond. She was suddenly seized with a violent attack of colic. Frantic with pain, she told her servant to summon his father, and then without further ado, she fell over in a faint upon the ground. When Mr. Ming reached his daughter's side, she was still unconscious. After sending for the family physician to come post haste, he got his daughter to bed, but although she recovered from her fainting feet, The extreme pain continued until the poor girl was almost dead from exhaustion. Now when the learned doctor arrived and peered at her from under his gigantic spectacles, he would not discover the cause of her trouble. However, like some of our Western medical men, he did not confess his ignorance but proceeded to Prescribed a huge dose of boiling water to be followed a little later by a compound of pulverized deer's horn and dried toad skin. Poor honeysuckle lay in agony for three days, all the time growing weaker and weaker from loss of sleep. Every great doctor in the district had been summoned for a consultation, two had come from Changsha, the chief city of the province, but all to no avail. It was one of those cases that seemed to be beyond the power of even the most learned physicians. In the hope of receiving the great reward offered by the desperate father, these wise men searched from cover to cover in the great Chinese. Encyclopedia of Medicine, trying in vain to find a method of treating the unhappy maiden. There was even thought of calling in a certain foreign physician from England, who was in a distant city and was supposed, on account of some marvelous cures he had brought to pass, to be in direct league with the devil. However, the city magistrate would not allow Mr. Min to call in This outsider, for fear trouble, might be stirred up among the people. Mr. Ming sent out a proclamation in every direction, describing his daughter's illness and offering to bestow on her a handsome dowry and give her in marriage to whoever should be the means of bringing her back to health and happiness. He then sat at her bedside and waited, feeling that he had done all that was in his power. There were many answers to his invitation. Physicians, old and young, came from every part of empire to try their skill. And when they had seen poor honeysuckle and also the huge pile of several shoes her father offered as a wedding gift, they all fought with might and main for her life some having been attracted by her great beauty and excellent reputation, others by the tremendous reward. But alas for poor Honisako, not one of those wise men could cure her. One day, when she was feeling a slight change for the better, she called her father and clasping his hand with her tiny one said, were it not for your love, I would give up this hard fight and pass over into the dark wood, or as my old grandmother says, fly up into the western heavens. For your sake, because I'm your only child, and especially because you have no son, I have struggled hard to live, but now I feel that the next attack of that dreadful pain will carry me away. And no, I do not want to die. Here, honeysuckle wept as if her heart would break, and her old father wept too, for the more she suffered, the more he loved her. Just then her face began to turn pale. It is coming, the pain is coming, father. Very soon I shall be no more. Goodbye, father. Goodbye. Good. Here her voice broke and a great sob almost broke her father's heart. He turned away from her bedside. He could not bear to see her suffer. He walked outside and sat down on the rusty bench. His head fell upon his bosom, and the great salt tears trickled down his long gray beard. As Mr. Ming sat thus overcome with grief, he was startled at hearing a low whine. Looking up, he saw, to his astonishment, a shaggy mountain dog about the size of a Newfoundland. line. The huge beast looked into the old man's eyes with so intelligent human expression with such a sad wistful gaze that the gray beard addressed him saying why have you come to kill my daughter the dog replied with three short barks wagging her tail vigorously and turning toward the half-open door that led into the room where the girl lay by this time, willing to try any chance whatever of reviving his daughter, Mr. Ming bade the animal follow him into Sako's apartment. Placing his forepaws upon the side of a bed, the dog looked long and steadily at the wasted form before him and held his ear intently for a moment over the maiden's heart. Then, with a slight cough, he deposited from his mouth into her outstretched hand a tiny stone. Touching her wrist with his right paw, he motioned to her to swallow the stone. Yes, my dear, obey him, counseled her father as she turned to him inquiringly. For good Dr. Doc has been sent to your bedside by the mountain fairies who have heard of your illness and who wish to invite you back to life again." Without further delay, the sick girl, who was by this time almost burned away by the fever, raised her hand to her lips and swallowed the tiny charm. Wonder of wonders, no sooner had it passed her lips than a miracle occurred. The red flush passed away from her face, the pulse resumed its normal beat, the pains departed from. Her body, and she arose from the bed, well and smiling. Flinging her arms about her father's neck, she cried out in joy, Oh, I'm well again, well and happy, thanks to the medicine of the good physician. The noble dog barked three times, wild, with delight at hearing these tearful words of gratitude, bowed low and put his nose in honeysuckle's outstretched hand. Mr. Ming, greatly moved by his daughter's magical recovery, turned to the strange physician saying, noble sir, were it not for the firm you have taken, for some unknown reason, I would willingly give four times the sum in silver that I promised for the cure of that girl into your possession. As it is, I suppose you have no use for silver, but remember that so long as we live whatever we have is yours for the asking and i beg of you to prolong your visit to make this the home of your old age in short remain here forever as my guest nay, as a member of my family the dog barked thrice as if in assent. from that day he was treated as an equal by father and daughter. The many servants were commanded to obey his slightest whim, to serve him with the most expensive food on the market, to spare no expense in making him the happiest and best fed dog in all the world. Day after day, he ran at honeysuckle side as she gathered flowers in her garden, lay down before her door, when she was resting, guarded her chair when she was carried by servants into the city. In short, they were constant companions, a stranger would have thought they had been friends from childhood. One day, however, just as they were returning from a journey outside her father's compound, at the very instant when honeysuckle was alighting from her trail without a moment's warning, the huge animal dashed past the attendants seized his beautiful mistress in his mouth, and before anyone could stop him, bore her off to the mountains. By the time the alarm was sounded, darkness had fallen over the valley, and as the night was cloudy, no trace could be found of the dog and his fair burden. Once more the frantic father left low stone unturned to save his daughter. Huge rewards were offered. Bands of woodmen scoured the mountains high and low, but alas, no sign of the girl could be found. The unfortunate father gave up the search and began to prepare himself for the grave. There was nothing now left in life that he cared for, nothing but thoughts of his departed daughter. Honeysuckle was gone forever. Alas, said he, quoting the lines of a famous poet who had fallen into despair. My whitening hair would make an endless robe, yet would not measure all my deaths of woe. Several long years passed by, years of sorrow for the aging man, pining for his departed daughter. One beautiful October day, he was sitting in the very same pavilion where he had so often sat with his darling. His head was bowed forward on his breast, his forehead was... Lined with grief, a rustling of leaves attracted his attention. He looked up. Standing direct in front of him was Doctor Dog, and lo, riding on his back, clinging to the animal's shaggy hair, was honeysuckle, his long-lost daughter. While standing near by were three of the handsomest boys he had ever set eyes upon. Ah, my daughter, my darling daughter, where have you been all these years? cried the. Delighted father, pressing the girl to his aching breast. Have you suffered many a cruel pain since you were snatched away so suddenly? Has your life been filled with sorrow? Only at the thought of your grief, she replied tenderly, stroking his forehead with her slender fingers. Only at the thought of your suffering, only at the thought of how I should like to see you every day and tell you that my husband was kind and good to me. For you must know, dear father, this is no mere animal that stands beside you. This Dr. Dog who cured me and claimed me as his bride because of your promise, is a great magician. He can change himself at will into a thousand shapes. He chooses to come here in the form of a mountain beast, so that no one may penetrate the secret of his distant palace." Then he's your husband, faltered the old man gazing at the animal with a new expression on his wrinkled face. Yes, my kind and noble husband, the father of my three sons, your grandchildren, whom we have brought to pay you a visit. And where do you live? In a wonderful cave in the heart of the great mountains, a beautiful cave whose walls and floors are covered with crystals and encrusted with sparkling gems. The chairs and tables are set with jewels and the rooms are lighted by a thousand glittering diamonds. Oh, it is lovelier than the palace of the son of heaven himself. We feed off the flesh of white deer and mountain goats and fish from the clearest mountain stream. We drink cold water out of golden goblets without first boiling it, for it is purity itself. We breathe fragrant air and that blows through forests of pine and hemlock we live only to love each other and our children and oh we are so happy and you father you must come back with us to the great mountains and live there with us the rest of your days which the gods grant may be very many the old man pressed his daughter once more to his breast and fondled the children, who clambered over him, rejoicing at the discovery of a grandfather they had never seen before. From Dr. Doc and his fair honeysuckle sprung, it is said, the well-known race of people called the Yus, who even now inhabit the mountaineers Regions of the Canton and Hunan provinces. It is not for this reason, however, that we have told the story here, but because we felt sure every reader would like to learn the secret of the dog that cured a sick girl and won her for his bride. End of Chapter Three.